Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by Stephen Luke to discuss his film, Come Out Fighting. Set during World War II, in this military adventure, a small, specialized squad of U.S. Army African-American soldiers are sent on an unofficial rescue mission behind enemy lines to locate their missing commanding officer. The squad, upon battling their way through the German defenses, encounter more than they bargained for when they locate a downed U.S. Army fighter pilot. With the help of their friends at the 76th First Tank Battalion, known as the Black Panthers, the squad must find their way to survive and make it back in one piece. Big thanks to Bookmans for sponsoring this episode and to Fort Worth for letting us use their song at the end. If you'd like to connect with the show, the best place to find us online is at followingfilms.com or on Twitter by following at followingfilms. Please leave us a review and follow the show on Spotify. It really does help. You can also support the podcast by going to anchor.fm slash followingfilms slash support. Come Out Fighting is currently in theaters and available on demand. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. There we go. Hey, Stephen, how are you today? Hey, Christopher, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, of course. No, I, I love doing these things. I'm digging the beard. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, I, I pa- pass that on to my wife. I think I need a little support around here. So. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So if you need me to write you a, a doctor's note saying how awesome it is. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, well, Thank you for taking the time because I yeah. really enjoyed this film. Um, you've Thank found you. this strange little niche where you're doing these kind of war movies now. How did you find yourself in this this zone with being able to do these uh, this type of film? Is this something you saw for yourself? Sure. So um, I'm a history major uh, from school. Got it. And uh, obviously filmmaking is something I, I, I wanted to pursue um, and do. And they always kind of say when you're first getting started doing doing films is like, okay, well, what do you have access to that you can put on the screen? You know, like the biggest production value stuff you can. And for me, it just happened to be, um, you know, I could, you know, kind of that kind of historic, you know, World War One, World War II. Um, you know, I was in a number of, I was always fascinated by the war and I had a number of just connections that way. So that's kind of how I got started. Um, you know, kind of just u- utilizing my resources in order to, um, you know, bring, bring stories to life. And I think that um, the, uh, you know, for me, um, you know, I've, I've, I've really loved telling uh, stories from that era. And, um, you know, I always try to, you know, it seems like I just keep getting, being able to do uh, bigger and better ones. So it's just kind of a, a, you know, a progression of, you know, being able to get, you know, proving proving at each budget level um that they're uh you know a story that people want to see um hopefully are are profitable for you know my investors and you know distributors and you know and kind of being allowed to then continue up the ladder and make bigger and better things so um yeah that's come out fighting is definitely an accumulation of 10 years of trial and tribulation and just kind of growing and growing and yeah getting bigger and better well, it's so funny because you think of that Robert Rodriguez, I, I'm 47. So when I hear the oh, film, sure. what, you know, thing, that was his El Mariachi story that he had <gasps> a bus, he had a dog and he had a guitar case. So that was the movie he made. 
I, you don't think of that as being, oh, okay, I can go out and make a period war film. I can go out and go ahead and do something on World War One based on what I have access to. But I guess it is that unique thing of where you are and what you have. You know, I live in Arizona, so I have the landscape here that adds production value, that kind of thing. So that does make perfect sense. But uh, yeah, it's just to do these things on a small scale. That seems like really intimidating to me. The Doing period pieces is always a daunting task and then doing this particular period, it just seems so much more challenging. Yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, I've learned over the years to prepare myself uh, to spend a lot of extra time um, beforehand in pre-production normally not necessarily by myself, but just kind of really, you know uh, you know, as I'm developing the script to really make sure that I kind of have access or I'm able to, you know, find some of these things that I write about. So it's like, okay, you know, making sure like, okay, if I'm going to have, you know, like um, in the movie, the opening sequence is uh, fighter pilots and not a small scale opening to to this at all. No. And while the, um, you know, the planes are all, are, are all made in post VFX, but the, uh, the actors we shot in a real P 51 Mustang over at my friends over at uh, Fagan's fighters over in Minnesota they have uh, one of the world's biggest, well, maybe it's not the biggest, but to me, it's huge, just collection of w- original World War II fighter planes. And they let us, they pulled out their P-51 Mustang so I could get inside it and put my actors in the cockpit. And all the interiors are in a real P-51 Mustang. So, um, you know, I, I really try to uh, do as much realistic things as I can and access that I can to provide for, for the talent to be able to kind of get their hands on the real deal. And talk a little bit about this specific story, because this is I, just when I think I've seen every angle on World War II that you could possibly have. It feels like there's this other little gem of a story that pulls itself out. And this was one I had never heard before. And this is based on a true story. Is that correct? It is. It is. Um, so obviously, like with any movie, you take uh, some liberties. Of course. Now, I did string, you know, like what's fun about this story is from the 761st, there's about there's three stories that I kind of combined in, into one that kind of really happened to this tanker unit, you know, at, at different points of their combat. So while it might not be like a, a, a very you know, series of events, like these guys, each one of these little things did happen. Um, and, and so kind of like, you know, for me, sometimes it's like, okay, if you can find, you know, a group of guys and that haven't had their stories brought to life. And obviously with the 761st uh, tank battalion, um, you know, being all African, all African-American unit, um, you know, their stories um, haven't necessarily been focused upon as well um, as other units in the war, uh, especially more, more um, white units. Um, and I, I just, you know, I was thrilled by these guys. They kind of also have a little bit of a reputation kind of already as being, because you know, they've been, they were in Patton's third army. So they have a little bit of fame um, associate them. And cause these guys were amazing tankers and they really were incredible, uh, an incredible, well-trained, well-disciplined, well-fighting unit. And can you talk a little bit about casting <laughs> this film? Cause this is a, an incredible cast that you put together here. And really this is a character piece and really the, you know, there's three kind of main roles that if you don't get those right, I think this film really just does not work. Could you talk about how you were able to get such incredibly skilled uh, cast put together here. Yeah. So um, I want to first talk about my, my lead Hiram A. Murray, who plays a uh, Lieutenant Hayes. 
Uh, I've worked with him on a couple projects previously. Um, he's such a fantastic actor. I love him so much. And I know like I approached him first, kind of even before I really even got the the script written. I said, Hey, I'm working on this idea of the 761st take battalion. I was like, I don't know what your care. Like, I want you to play the lead. I have no idea what your character will do or say or who they are yet, but like, are you in? And he's like, yes, I'm in hundred percent. So when you get that script done, just let me know. And I'm in. So uh, with that kind of in mind, I knew who, I mean, with Hiram, I knew who, you know, Hayes could become, I could see him in my face or in my brain, write the script, you know, get it developed. Um, I think the first, you know, obviously when you kind of have a script, you, you know, to attach the budget, you're going out to get talent. Um, one of the first uh, main talent that signed on was Kellen Lutz. Uh, we got the script out to his, his team. Um, he gave it a read. And I mean, they got back to me really quick and, and um, you know, Kellen actually personally reached out to me uh, to talk about the role. I think he was over in Montana. So we were like having a, 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 a sky, you know, I'm, I'm located in South Dakota. So, uh, and I had just gotten back from Montana. So we were discussing uh, uh, that little fun journey for him. And yeah, no, he, he signed on. Uh, and then uh, Michael Jai White. Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm sure it didn't happen this way, but we, you know, I knew I, I've always wanted to have him in a movie and I was like, Oh, I really want to get this rollout to him, but I'm sure he's got other things that are going on. Cause it wasn't necessarily, it's a lead, but it's not like the main star. He's a supporting, supporting character. Correct. Um, well, I mean, he plays a big part, but he, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a big part. So I was like, well, I mean, the place, but I think in, in, I guess it's my story. I could tell it. Like we got the <laughs> script out to him and I feel like the next day there was like, yes, yes, we'll do it. I'm in, I'm in like, I'm sure it was, it took him longer than that, but in my brain, it felt like he, I mean, you know, he does a fantastic job as Red, the character. So I think it really spoke to him right away. Um, Tyrese, uh, Tyrese was one of the, or, or we have Dolph Lundgren in it. I'd worked with him in a couple projects. Um, we got the rollout to him. I, I think I personally got to ask him if he was interested and um, he, he loved the idea. He loved the part. I know we did some tweaks to his character to really get him excited about uh, what he was, what, what, you know, his character was doing in the script and the story. Um, Tyrese was one of the last ones we were, we were able to get on board uh, to be honest with you. We weren't sure. I mean, his schedule, I mean, he's, I, I, yeah, he's got kind of a, a packed weekend this weekend. <laughs> he's got a packed weekend this weekend. And um, we knew maybe he had some availability in our, when we needed him. So we, we inquired to his agent manager and, you know, I got a, I got a per like, I, I think we did that within a week and we had heard Tyrese is interested. And I believe, I think I was driving from Minnesota to go to Illinois to scout. And I had, I just, and I like had just replaced long story short, I just replaced my transmission in my Jeep, my Jeep Wrangler. And like the transmission, the new transmission was faulty. So I was like pulled over, pulled over on the side of the road and broken down and I get a, a message from it was like my producing partner, Andre. He's like, hey, Tyrese wants to talk to you about this role. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll talk to him right now. So like I'm like in the middle of the, <laughs> the interstate in Minnesota with a broken down transmission and trying to like pitch and not necessarily pitch, but talk to Tyrese and hoping that this can conversation can go well, that he'll he'll want to you know be a part of the team and. Um, so that's an interesting, fun story, you know, sometimes filmmakers have to do. But yeah, Tyrese, <laughs> we're on board. We had a great conversation. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the last, uh, you know, um, last piece of the puzzle for the cast. And 
I think we shot maybe three, four weeks later. And how long did you shoot for? So we shot, we had a total of 18 days. My God. That is quick. It's quick. Um, You know, obviously when you do, you know, you always kind of want the more time, you know, is always kind of better results. Just you Mm -hmm. always want more time. Um, Luckily, you know, I've done a number of war films and that's kind of just part of my expertise is like, listen, I know how to move things along in a, in a tight budget, tight time frame, And um, yeah, it's, it's a quick turnaround time. Um, but I, I feel like we, you know, really accomplished quite a lot for uh, you know, the limited time that we, we did have. Well, and you also, you take time in the movie. I don't know if it was like this in the filming, but you don't shy away from the character beats. You allow things to sit for a minute. It doesn't feel like you're just rushing through this story um, that you do hang out and get to know these people throughout this journey. It feels like this is a character piece first and probably a war movie second, if that makes sense. That's Oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, I always kind of with, with all of, of all these films, and especially this one, like it's about the story. It's about the characters. And I always tell my guys like, listen, you know, they're, they're professional actors, like all the guys, I mean, they know, and they've been on bigger sets than mine. And, you know, I say like, listen, we have a limited time. You know, what, what, what I really want to buy the time, like the thing that we're going to focus in on is the characters and their beats. So when we have those scenes and those parts of the story, like we're going to spend the time to really make sure we feel comfortable with, with those guys. But but then I, I always ask them like, listen, when it comes to the action, you know, please just do what, not do what I say, but just kind of like, well, you know, will you trust me that I know kind of, you know, I'll, like I, I have a, a game plan on how to make it all work. So if you will, if you will trust me to do that and not necessarily, I'm not that they can't question, but like, trust me that that's, that's the going to be great. And it's going to be perfect. Then I really can then take that extra time and use it on the character development. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause it does. I think even if you're not conscious of that as a film goer, when you're watching this, you can feel that in the story. You can feel that these are realized characters that you're not just moving from set piece to set piece to set piece from action beat to action beat that you are, that it feels like you would have cut something out if you could have had a deeper moment, if it really came down to it. That's at least the sense that I get when I'm watching this film. I know with, with my distributor, I'm sure they won't like me to say this. I know like, (laughs) You know, they, they got they you know, we got to go back and forth on the final cut and there's a few and to, to their credit, um, they had some good edit notes for sure, but there's a few edits. I was like, Oh, but that's a character moment. We got to have that. And I'd be like, please, can we just keep that in? And, but we found a good compromise for sure. But uh, yes, it, I love, you know, the characters, that's what drives the story. I mean, that's what people want to see, you know, the action. I mean, yes, I love it. You know, people want to see it, but if they don't, if they can't, you know, you know, uh, connect with the characters, none of the action even matters. It doesn't really matter. Well, you can spin out on that really early. And if you give people too much of that, that, you know, you haven't, you need to set the stakes. So there's an appropriate level of, you know, things where it could head, but at the same time, if you overdo that early in a film, by the time you get to the climax, you really don't have anything left in the tank. You're, you're spent. And it's just, right. you, you only have so much, uh, adrenaline 
that you can spend in a movie, I think. And it's, it's wise to do it sparingly to me as an, uh, maybe that's just cause I'm 47 now and I don't, my tanks get running a little dry, but <laughs> so at this point, you know, I would much rather just have those, those beats mean something. I, cause I'm a big genre guy. I love horror films, science fiction, action stuff, but really it's, it's, I love those things when they're focused on telling a story about people and how they just happen to be in this circumstance. And if you, right. if you remove the war from this film, would you still have a story that's worth telling? And I think you could absolutely transplant this movie into a neighborhood um, anywhere in this country. And you would still have a valid story to tell. Cause I think you're telling a story about something else here. Yes. Oh, almost definitely. And I think that's just, you know, uh, hu- hu- stories, you know, human stories, stories that we can connect with, especially military ones. I mean, that, you know, courage and heroism and sticking by your friends and your buddies and sacrifice I mean that that not only does it apply to the military, but it applies to everyone everyone's life. I mean, we all we all go through that. I mean, geesh, we all stand in the line of the post office, and you know, you got to put up with the 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 waiting, and you got to put you got to you know, it just we all kind of experience those human emotions, and you know, being able to like you know transplant that from either if it's a military film or you know, like I said, post office waiting. I mean, yeah, we all have those experiences. So with that in mind, when you're pitching Tyrese with a uh, broken down Jeep on the side of the highway, do you say like, hey, by the way, just so you know, if you hear anything in the background, or do you kind of keep that close to the chest in that moment? I, uh, I, I didn't, I don't think I told he might, he might've heard stuff in the background, but I like, I found myself like walking down the side of the, you know, the, the, the berm, you know, the, mm-hmm. yeah. the berm. So like, I'm kind of like not in the, far, not in a, like a farmer's field, but I'm over by the fence, you know, as furthest away from the <laughs> highway as possible. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. I'm joined today by my son, Jacob. Jacob, say hello to the people. Oh, there you go. You're already on it. So, Jacob, when you go to Bookman's, what is it that you like to look at? What do you like to get? To get toys uh, and movies and and the coffee news. You like to look at the movies and you like to get the coffee news, the newspaper they have out front? That's great. So, last time we went into Bookman's, I picked up a movie. Um, What movie did I get, Jacob? A stick from New York, but that's the name as it hurts of the... uh, X... Uh, as to cover. Sorry, sorry. I so, no, no, you're okay. Would you talk a little bit about what you see on the cover of Escape from New York on this Blu-ray that I got? So, based on this cover, you see glass shattered and also the Statue of Liberty's face fell apart. Because in this movie, Escape from New York, is the introduction is a man trying to save the president's daughter in New York's turns into a prison in this movie and there's the hero as you can see very strong in fact oh yeah now this is one of my favorite movies i love this movie now you're too young to watch it because you're only six years old but do you think in a couple years from now when you get a little bit older you'll want to check out escape from new york yes okay what's a movie that you've seen that we picked up at bookman's that you like come here talk so that people can hear you a little shop of horrors little shop of horrors that's a great movie so when you're going to Bookman's, you can get movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4K, Laserdisc, VHS. You can also get comic books, books, newspapers, magazines, home furnishings. Uh, you can get tons of stuff there. Because remember, Bookman's has your cool covered. Hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks. Bye.
Bye. Yay! That was a good idea. See that 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 would be something that I think that I, I I would have to say something in that moment. I would be so embarrassed that I just have to put it on put it out there to say that in that second because I just don't I I'm not a, a gifted actor. I don't think I could hide it in that way. It would just be right there. So then um talk. Could you talk a little bit about though the the score in this because the way you score is not typical in a war film from what I could pick up on here when I was watching this, that you're not constant wall-to-wall music in this, that you actually use it for very specific moments. It feels like. Yeah. So uh, I know with the score, I had a very, um, you know, I wanted to kind of not have a traditional world war II type of score. Um, And so I, you know, we're very, I always think of it as I always like unique, unique music with whatever I'm doing. And I feel like definitely like, you know, you're always limited in time and budget, but like, I feel like, especially like the opening and even some of the key moments, like I almost picture it as more of like a Western, kind mm-hmm. of as a Western feel to, you know, the, 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 the score, which I really, you know, when, when the composer kind of presented that to me, I was like, oh, I really dig it. Like, uh, it's just, it was different. It was unique. And I, I really like that. Um, and I do know, like working with them, I was like, listen, there's going to be some moments like in the action that, you know, like I want it to be intense, you know, just to kind of help elevate, um, you know, kind of those beats of, of when the characters are in danger. Um, and also, you know, when you're have a, you know, you're working on a budget in a film, you know, you're always trying to pull not tricks, but like it, everything that you can to make it bigger, better, feel faster, you know, the, have the, the, the audience's enjoyment continue. I mean, that's, that's my job. So that was kind of always my goal too. It's like, okay, let's, we won't have a lot of score, but at the moments where we need score, like really, really match what I, what I want the audience to be feeling as we, as they're watching. That makes a lot of sense. And it's something that there's, I think you can lean too heavily into that sometimes where you're telegraphing every emotion instead of allowing emotions to fill the screen that it's just, you're having your hand held a little bit, a little bit too much sometimes. And I I like when films give me space to kind of live in a quiet moment um, and use that to build tension. Cause I think you do that effectively here several times where it does get very quiet and it's the absence of sound that can be really powerful as well. So yes. Um, and the look of the film, because you're shooting this on, you're doing special effects, you're doing a period piece, um, but you're doing something that where at the end of the day, if this doesn't look right, viewers will push back on this, but you've made a film that looks fantastic, that you actually have a good look here, a good design uh, visually for this. Can you just talk about the overall um, look of the piece and how you approach that? Yeah. So uh, I always kind of tell so one of the things, obviously, you know, camera and lenses and that all yeah. matters and lighting. Um, the one thing I always try to make sure that like, but that can involve all the departments. So, you know, camera, uh, hair and makeup, you know, costume is always, I always let that remind, let them know and remind them is like, I just want things to be uniformed. Hmm. So we're like, okay, maybe, you know, like, like take the uniforms, like, you know, if, if we can't have it be completely just totally gutted out, distressed, well, let's make sure we have a baseline that it always stays because the audience, you know, you know, once they get immersed in this, in the movie, they'll, they'll be able to, you know, okay. If, if something's not jumping out as being an oddball, you know, like where the guys are really bloody and dusty, you know, in one yeah. scene and then they're not the next, well, 
I would rather have it be, listen, let's pick the thing that we know we can keep constant all the time. And so, and that, I think that kind of helps, especially when I know, okay, in, in post-production, when we're shooting the camera, we're doing the color grade that, you know, like I can, you know, either bring up the highlights and really pop greens or yeah. I can. I can desaturate a little bit and everything will stay uniform. Like the colorist isn't having to go crazy with trying to figure out how to, how to match it all up. So I think that's a, you know, a unique fun way, you know, on kind of a, a on an indie type of film to make sure that um, all the departments are, you know, working to keep things, you know, together while also, you know, using their creativity in that, um, in each of their space. So that way they know, like, listen, this is my, this is my canvas that we're playing on. And, you know, let's make sure we're, 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 you know, painting all together. So. That makes perfect sense. And yeah. then what point do you bring in the editor into this process? So, well, I always lo- would love to have an editor. Like if I could get away with it, I'd have an editor on set, like editing every day. Yeah, of course. Editing. Yeah. But um, usually, um, you know, I usually have an editor come on, if at all possible within a couple weeks after I can not, sh- not necessarily after shooting, but like after everything kind of gets organized for them and yeah. you can kind of let them see what's going on. Um, that's always kind of important um, on this one. You know, we are waiting on uh, our editor's schedule. The one, you know, we shot this during COVID. So the one thing like, not that you like production, you could find people that were, could, could do it, but like, all the post people were busy because that yeah. was the job that was the easiest to do during COVID. So we had to kind of wait a little bit for our editor to get freed up. So in that time, you know, me and my cinematographer, Joseph, uh, we, we did a, not really a director's cut, but we kind of cut the movie. So that way, you know, the, the, the editor had a, a sense of like, Oh, okay. He likes that take like noted, you know? So and I kind of told him like, listen, you don't have to necessarily do what I do, but like, you'll at least be able to see like, oh, he likes, oh, he, he delivering that line this way. And the, I do like it that way. So he could get at least a baseline of, of my notes before he even started. That's really interesting. Um, Cause most of the time that's the reverse of what is typically done where you have the editor does a pass or is collaborating through that pass or they, you know, put something together and then you can kind of whittle your way down to that. So you already right. had your pass and then they came back and how different was that from when you did your pass on it versus when the editor's eyes uh, were on the piece? Well, I think, um, you know, there was, I definitely know the editor like made the action snap hmm. that, you know, he made it, way better than I ever could in the editing program, which was fantastic. Um, what was interesting is, you know, like in some of the scenes, like, you know, I would use different beats than maybe he, he chose to use, but um, you know, what's fun is that his, his version of what he was trying to do was, you know, well, I, I, while it was different than mine, it was better. If that makes sense. Like, yeah, of course. Even I, you know, as the director go, okay, well, this is like, yeah, maybe I would want to change this or that, but like, if I would do that, that wouldn't make sense with what he's trying to do yeah. for the movie. So it's kind of, it's fun to collaborate that with like that. And, 
and I mean, not put in, put egos aside, but like really like what what's the best for these characters in the story and what what, what are the audiences going to enjoy? So that's kind of a fun process. Well, it's important to have new eyes on material that, that doesn't know the story as well as you do, that didn't live through those experiences that, you know, it's sometimes difficult for me, at least to divorce myself from the experiencing experience of having made something to then looking at it and thinking of it from a completely objective point of view is you the audience doesn't have all this information that's inside your head so how are they reading the scene is this your favorite moment because it was slightly deviated than what you had on the script or is this your favorite moment because exactly what you had on your script and the ego is getting a little bit in the way and it's how you envisioned it but actually this other thing was better so it's a it's i I can't get past that so I, i don't know how anybody's an editor and i don't know how anybody is a writer director editor i i beyond me oh yeah i'm i'm always amazed uh, that the, uh, you know, editing is, is hard, Like it's a hard job yeah. It's hard to do. It's hard to, you know, I don't want to say like make everyone happy, but you know, you've got the director that wants to see what you're doing. You got producers that want to see what you're doing. You know, I've definitely like actors want to make sure that they're, you know, you know, do it, you know, looking good. So like, you've got, you've got a lot of people that you got to try to please while also trying to like bring your own, you know, vision and own, you know, st- piece of the you know of the puzzle to to the product so yeah editors are incredible people my hat's off to them no always it's it's the one department that i it's like it's alchemy to me it's just something that i look at and that that's that's magic i don't understand how you can do that that you can you have the ability to recontextualize things in your own mind. You can say, well, if I put this piece of information before this piece of information, that affects this thing at the end that actually pulls all this together very nicely because right now it's disjointed and it's just, yeah, I am constantly blown away by them. So fascinating group, but um, so how are you feeling right now? You're, you're about to, you're, you're, you're giving birth. You're letting your baby out into the world. How do you feel? You know, it's always a, um, a mixed, mixed bag of emotions. Uh, you know, for, for me, you know, this would be going on, um, you know, almost two years from filming and then probably like three and a half years from like conception, maybe even four now of like conception, writing, pre-production, like putting it together. So, you know, but then, you know, so in that, in that sense, it's like, Oh, thank goodness it's done. Not like in a negative way, but just like this, you know, it's out into the world. I've done uh, this ball rolling up the hill. It's at the top of the hill. Um, so there's like, it's a, it's a mix of relief, but also just like, you know, so much joy, you know, so many people uh, devoted time and effort uh, into making this movie. And, you know, obviously when you're on a budget, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, I, I'm sh- I know lots of people did extra work, went way out of their hand yeah. for free. And, and, you know, gave me above and beyond what they needed to, to do the, to the, to, to tell the story the best that they, that, um, that we could. And it's just, I'm just so proud and so excited to, you know, let, let everyone's work be seen by, you know, um, I don't want to say like the world, but, you know, just like, you know, everyone's efforts now can be seen and, and people can see like the art, 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 um, that we made, you know, filmmaking and movies are, are the only art really that has just so much collaboration from so many different people at all levels. And it, it really is, it's fun to see all these creative people, you know, at, at no matter what, you know, thing that they might've done, like, you know, it all came together and it's done and here it is and it's out. So 
you know, I, I'm much like a, uh, like a dad who's very proud of their children. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm beaming and I'm hoping that, you know, whether, uh, I mean, I'm obviously I want, I'm hoping the audience, it likes it, enjoys it, but I'm hoping like a lot of my cast and crew, I hope they can get to do bigger and better things because of it. I mean, I hope people see it and they go, great. I want, I want, you know, you did such a great job there, you know, come work on what I'm doing. So I, I, I really hope that that can be a, a real blessing for them. I think that will happen with this because there's a, this is one of those things where I, I don't know how to pinpoint it in a film when I see it. I, I can't say that's the moment, but you can feel cynicism when it's made. It's just something that's, you feel like everything's made at an arm's length. And when people are passionate about it, when they actually care about it, you can feel that in the movie. And it's not something that you can say like, this was a labor of love. You can tell that this, it's not, you can't say this moment and pin and say, how can I avoid that in a movie? How can I make that apparent in a movie? I just think it's something that we as an audience can pick up on somehow. And this, movie has not one ounce of cynicism in it. You can feel people's passion. You can feel their hearts behind this. And to me, that's something that carries a lot of weight that you, when you see that, that's something that you want to go back to again. So yeah, you got, you got something special here, man. So congratulations on it. Thank you so much. That, that means so much. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's a a lot of years work, a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. And, um, you know, but I, I couldn't be more happy and um, more excited for people to see it. So I, I really appreciate the, those very kind words. And so thank you so much. Oh, no, no, no. And uh, thank you for taking the time to do this, man. I really do appreciate it. I had a great time watching the film. So and uh, sorry about yesterday um, with the oh. Internet going out here yesterday. That was me. That was the guy that happened to. I had to watch the Lakers game on my phone last night. It was just so, yeah, it's, uh, they had a worse night than I did, but yeah, there was, wow. there was, it was, uh, didn't come back to like probably three or four o'clock this morning. It was sometime between I went to bed and woke up this morning. So yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this work today. So thank you for that. I appreciate well, it. No worries. No worries. It is not a problem at all. And, um, yeah, no, I'm, and I'm sorry about your Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> They're, but they're going, aren't they? In the next two games at home, they, they are. And but this is, but the Denver has the uh, two, home, two yeah. So they'll end up with the game seven if it goes seven at home. So well, I mean, if I'm not a, I'm not necessarily a betting man, but I wouldn't want to have anyone else but LeBron James in a two O series. I mean, that's the guy that, yeah. He, what is he? Almost forty years old, and he pulls off magic still. So if still anyone does, he can. When he's when he's on fire, there's nobody better. That's for sure. But yeah, it was. Uh, that's okay. It's I'm. There's a there's a. If you're gonna get beat by anybody being beat by the Nuggets, it's not a terrible thing. There's some great players on there, so I, I would definitely keep it in the Western Conference. <laughs> yeah. to share. No, I understand. I am not a person that's qualified to talk about sports, but. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not either. I, 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 I like to listen to sports talk shows every once in a while. So. I know when it gets to the playoffs, it's like, oh, okay, now I can finally pay. Not that I don't pay attention, but it's like, oh, well, how's everyone doing? It's very passive, my interest until the playoffs. And then it's the last six weeks, me and my wife, it's just been our lives have been completely enveloped by this. So it's like, we need this to be over so we can get back to our lives again. So (laughs) awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. And and congratulations. You got something special here. And uh, I'm looking forward to whatever's coming down the pike next. Cause uh, yeah, I'm a fan, man. Good job. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. Right. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Thank Bye, you. Caroline. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Have a good weekend. You too. Time enough to figure you out. 
time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope